Hey folks, Hyrulean here, and welcome to another episode of Bonus Points. Today, I wanted to talk about and give a short sort of mini-review on Undertale. Undertale is an indie game released by Toby Fox seven years ago. And it's a game that I've always thought would look like a game I would really, really like, but I never played it, despite the fact that I've bought it twice, both on PC around when it came out and on Switch when the Switch port released. I, you know, tried about an hour or so, probably less, honestly, and I kind of was just like, no, I want to save this game until I'm in the right headspace for it. And honestly, I kind of just had myself convinced that I wanted to beat Earthbound before I played it, since it's obvious that Toby Fox took serious inspiration from Earthbound. It's definitely the most similar game to Undertale that I've ever played. But alas, recently I was playing through Earthbound on my Steam Deck with the intention of finishing it up, maybe jumping to Earthbound 2, aka Mother 3, and playing that, and then hopping over to Undertale and then tragedy struck. I had to send my Steam Deck, the device I was playing it on, in for repairs because of my sticky B button. And unfortunately, I failed to realize that my save data was not backed up on my SD card. And so I lost my progress through Earthbound. I have no idea how far I was through the game, but I did play it for about two to three weeks for probably a couple hours a day, so I must have been pretty far. Um, I, and for a reference, for anybody who knows Earthbound, I made it to the village with the cult that all worships, like, the one color or whatever, you know. Uh, but after the loss of that Earthbound save file, I really contemplated just picking it back up and trying again. But it took me so long to make it that far in the game. And I enjoyed it, but the thought of doing it again just seemed really tedious. So rather than doing that, I kind of just decided to forget about the playthrough for now, and I'll circle back around and try and play Earthbound again later. And recently I talked about how I'd been in my video game slump, and the last time that I was feeling kind of disappointed with video games, I picked back up Disco Elysium, and I finished it, and I honestly thought it was one of the best games I'd ever played. I gave it a 10 out of 10, my first ever 10 out of 10, and I meant it. It was seriously such a fun and interesting RPG with great personality and great story, and it was honestly like nothing I'd ever played before. And I was browsing through my Steam library trying to think of something to play, and that's when I stumbled upon Undertale, and I remembered that I'd bought it all those years ago, but the way that people obsessed over the game and had all of these different ships that they did and fan art and fan fiction and theories and everything was just so intense to me that it kind of gave me almost like Five Nights at Freddy's, Bendy and the Ink Machine, that kind of vibe. And I did not want to be associated with those people at the time because I was in my kind of too cool for that phase, and so I skipped Undertale. But, coincidentally, it just so happens this year's the seventh anniversary of Undertale, and for no particular reason other than I wanted a game to play, I decided to pick it back up. 
and over the course of the last week or so, I finished from start to finish a neutral run turned true pacifist run of Undertale. And I'm going to give a brief overview of the game in this bonus points because I don't want this to be a whole thing. I really need to get back to working on my Adventure Time series now that I've spent so much time focusing on Undertale in my YouTube recommendation special uh, and not on the Adventure Time series, but definitely check out the YouTube recommendation special. I'm actually really proud of it. So instead, I'm going to give a brief overview of Undertale, and then I'm basically going to spoil all of my favorite moments from the game and just kind of gush about it for a little bit here. This will probably be a pretty short one because I'm not going to go into super insane detail, but I really did want to kind of share my thoughts and feelings on the game having just finished it yesterday because it was genuinely one of the best games I've played in some time, and it was the most emotional that a game has gotten me since Disco Elysium. So without further ado, folks, let's talk about Undertale No Transition. What the hell is an Undertale? Undertale is a very unique RPG developed by Toby Fox, and it follows the story of a human who, while climbing a mountain, falls into the underground, a land of monsters that are trapped in this massive cave and they've been living down there for centuries because after the monster-human war, they were basically sealed underground for their own safety and to end the war by the human mages. And the human that you play as immediately decides, hey, I want to get the hell out of here and get back up to the surface. And of course, right away, you sort of start your journey. And to avoid spoiling the game, I'm not going to go plot point by plot point here, uh, but basically, I do want to highlight sort of what the game's all about. Undertale is a unique RPG, mostly because of the fact that when you encounter an enemy in the game, you have the option to do normal RPG stuff and fight it using weapons or brawn, but in addition to that, you also have the option to conversate with your adversaries instead. And you can usually end combat with verbally talking to the enemy rather than having to fight them. And this is the thing that originally made me think that Undertale might be a fun game to play. Disco Elysium, my favorite Western RPG of all time has this wonderful thing about it, and that's that it has zero combat. It's a game solely focused on sort of letting you, the player, assume the role of this character and sort of explore the story however you want. And you're more focused on talking your way out of situations or leading situations in a way you want rather than fighting your way through. And Undertale is very similar in that way. Pretty much every single encounter is unique, and what you have to do to end the fight non-violently for each type of monster is completely different. Some you might just have to make them laugh by telling them a joke. Others, if it's a dog, you could probably pet them and they'll kind of chill out and decide not to fight you anymore. There's tons and tons and tons of different ones, 
and all of the combat encounters in the game are completely unique and can be tackled in numerous different ways. There's even some key items that if you're smart enough to keep them in your inventory and use them at the correct time, you can end combat without even having to press a button other than using the item, obviously. Like, for example, there is an enemy where if you happen to eat a certain item during their fight, they will realize that they should not be fighting you at all for a specific reason. And that's a slight spoiler, but it's pretty obtuse, so I'm going to keep it in the podcast. The key is Undertale has this very unique encounter system that encourages you as the player to kind of treat the encounters like a puzzle and try to sort of talk your way or act your way out of the situation. There's also a mercy button which allows you to choose to spare any enemies in the game or run away from any enemies in the game. And the spare option is available for some enemies right away and for others you have to sort of talk them out of fighting and then the option to spare them becomes available to you. And immediately I just wanted to state I wasn't necessarily dead set on being pacifistic in Undertale but honestly trying to figure out the correct things to do to stop the fights is significantly more interesting than just beating the shit out of any enemy you come across. Even if they are kind of an annoying enemy it's way more fun trying to figure out how to stop them from fighting you than just beating the shit out of them until they die. And that's a big part of the game and if you do decide to play Undertale I highly recommend it because it's basically encouraged to such an extreme extent that I could not imagine enjoying the game without, you know, talking to the monsters or trying to talk your way out of the different fights you might find yourself in in the game. And I should mention at this time as well, when the enemies do attack you, if you're not successful in uh, talking them out of fighting right away, it's basically this system where it's a bullet hell. So there's a small square that appears on the screen and you are represented by a red heart and you're able to freely move the heart around inside of the square and you have to physically dodge different projectiles that are coming into the square. In this system, I was very skeptical of at first, but for different boss fights, they mix it up and make it so the heart is controlled differently and each enemy for the most part, also has unique attack sprites, and their projectiles are completely different. Like, for example, uh, one of the main characters in the game, Papyrus, who's a skeleton, attacks with these bones that sweep across the cube, or the square, I should say. Whereas, you know, a robot might have bombs that they drop on the screen. The variety and personality that this adds to the encounters in the game makes this RPG stand out significantly from others that exist. And it's by far the most unique mechanics I've seen in RPGs since I first played Disco Elysium. It's really, really impressive stuff. And above all else, it's really, really fun. But there is some light puzzle solving here and there, I should mention that. 
and they do also put an emphasis on story. So if you're somebody who doesn't like to read and sort of pay attention to the story in games, it's probably a good idea to steer clear of this one. But then again, if you're not into the story, then why are you playing an RPG game in the first place? But the last thing I wanted to mention about Undertale's combat system, or I guess encounter system, since you don't have to necessarily use violence, is depending on how you approach encounters in the game, you will have different endings. Depending on what characters you choose to kill or not to kill, depending on how many monsters you decide to kill, you will have a different ending. If you kill absolutely none of them, you might have the pacifist ending, and if you choose to kill all of them, you'll have the genocide ending. The only thing to note is that at the beginning of the game, you have to do neutral or genocide, which means killing some or killing all. And there's not really any way to change that until a very interesting thing that happens at the end of the story, which you'll have to play the game yourself to find out. But then there is a way to complete the game without harming anyone, which is the pacifist route. And again, I want to emphasize, I was definitely not going into the game specifically expecting for me to be a pacifist. I was totally intending on killing whoever I wanted and not whoever I didn't, but it's so much more fun if you play the game without killing anyone that I could not resist. And I ended up completing a neutral and a true pacifist playthrough of the game and I got the true ending or the happy ending and it was really really great and I highly recommend it and if you want to go back and do the genocide run later uh, you can by full resetting your game. The last thing I want to mention is if this game sounds even remotely interesting to you stop what you're doing do not listen to the rest of the podcast and do yourself a favor and pick this game up it's seriously so interesting and the story and the music are just excellent i haven't even gushed about the music yet mostly because i don't want to spoil anything because talking about the music i kind of have to talk about what happens with the music um so obviously we're going to get into spoilers for the music but if you enjoy RPGs, especially unique ones, you're going to love Undertale. It's seriously so fun, and the story goes to so many crazy lengths to just kind of surprise you and be super funny and entertaining, and it's definitely one of the best RPGs I've ever played. But folks, without further ado, let's get into some discussion about spoilers and some gush about specific things the game has, and kind of... I just want to share some things that I think make the game especially great. So if you're trying to avoid spoilers and you plan on picking this game up, definitely tune away now and thanks for watching. I hope you enjoy the game. Otherwise, let's get into it. So the first thing I want to mention is the first enemy you fight in the game is this flower named Flowey. And Flowey is there to be sort of a tutorial and then kind of subvert your expectations about the game and then make you realize, holy shit, this game is like intense. That's the whole reason Flowey exists. But one of the most interesting things about Flowey is the big plot twist of the game is Flowey is the true final boss. You go through this entire game thinking you're gonna fight this king of the monsters, 
only for Flowey to take the king out before you can even fight him. And you are then left to fight Flowey in multiple different forms. And then there's the thing that I did not expect whatsoever, which was the fourth wall break. Flowey sort of takes you out of the game and into reality in the sense that he deletes your save data and tells you that you're never going to be able to play the game ever again and you're doomed to be forever stuck in this loop where whenever you load up the game, Flowey just immediately kills you. And it's so interesting and it's so fascinating and it was very much the same sort of style as some of the games that I've played recently, uh, like the uh, game Inscription. Slight spoilers for Inscription, or big spoilers, I don't know. Um, but very, very, very interesting. And I love when there's these fourth wall breaks in games, and I totally was caught off guard by this one. Somehow I haven't had it spoiled in the seven years this game's been out. But they take it even further from there, which I did not even think that was possible. Because then Flowey turns out to be the son of a main character, and there's a secret, even more secret final boss fight for the true, true final boss. And it's a different form for Flowey. And that has one of the best songs in any video game that I've ever heard. And that song is called Hopes and Dreams. Or is it Dreams and Hopes? No, it's Hopes and Dreams. And it's seriously so good. If you are listening to these spoiler sections of the podcast and you have no intention of playing Undertale and you're not going to take anything away from this episode, you just want to hear my thoughts about it, go listen to Hopes and Dreams on Spotify. It is so good. It's mind-meltingly good. And that boss fight was so enjoyable and hyped as fuck. It was seriously some of the best stuff I've ever seen. I enjoyed that final boss fight so much against Asriel. It was such an interesting and fun moment. Uh, going back in time in the game a little bit, I wanted to talk about the boss fight against Metaton, which Metaton is this character whose name sounds like the name of a Pokemon. I thought for sure it was a Pokemon, and I thought I was saying the name wrong, but no, it is Metaton. Metaton is this robot that was designed by the royal scientist to basically be a celebrity for the underground, to create TV shows to entertain the monsters who are all trapped underground. And there's some other lore stuff there as well, but the important part is, for one reason or another, Metaton is trying to kill you. And there are multiple stages to the Metaton boss fight. One is a like game show with quizzes, Another's a cooking show, and there's another where it's a stage play. But the final fight, where you face off against the true form of Metaton, is so fascinating. And it's another song that is just phenomenal from the game. It's called Death by Glamour. Really, really interesting song. And the idea is, basically, rather than fighting Metaton, you're just trying to help him increase the ratings on his show if you're doing the pacifist route and what that ends up meaning is you have to play into his whole show gimmick quite a bit this involves doing things like striking a pose 
or eating trendy food brands, stuff like that. And the boss fight is probably the most creative one in the entire game. It's just got so many unique elements, and I was so interested in the idea that you weren't explicitly trying to kill Metaton, you were just trying to make his show insanely popular. And that's not even including the fact that there's all those other phases and fights throughout this section of the game where you, like, have to dodge all these different attacks that are, like, food-based and stage play-based. And then there's the game show one. It's seriously so interesting. And Metaton as a character is super fascinating as well uh, because he has this super deep and interesting lore where basically... He was originally a human who died and turned into a ghost, and then his soul was put into the robot. And it's so fascinating because he reunites with his brother by the end of the game, who was also a ghost. And it's really, really heartfelt and interesting. And then they go on to, after the game wraps up, form like a band which is really cool and I like it a lot and honestly Metaton is probably one of my favorite characters in the game by far another interesting thing that I really liked is Temi Village Temi Village is basically just a meme that the game created for its own universe uh, because it's this race of dogs with black hair known as the Temi uh, named after one of the artists who helped work on Undertale uh, and basically the idea behind Temi Village is they're just these innocent pups and they're just kind of going about their business and they're obsessed with Temi Flakes and all sorts of weird and goofy shit. But the most interesting part about Temi Village is the shop because the shop is ran by a Temi who wants nothing more than to save up some money and go to college. And the interesting thing about it is it costs a $1,000 and you can buy college for them flat out. You can just pay for them to go to college and it's hilarious. And a thousand gold in the game is actually quite a bit, but there is a built-in game-breaking quote-unquote exploit that allows you to make infinite money. <laughs> and... It's encouraged so you can help pay for this dog to go to college. And it's the funniest shit. Basically, you can buy Temi Flakes for like one gold from the dog. And the dog will buy them back for three. So the idea is you can rinse and repeat that way until you save up a thousand and then buy the dog college. Or what I did was I used this item called Dog Residue that I obtained by defeating another dog in battle. And when you use Dog Residue from your inventory it makes your inventory be full of dog residue and dog residue can vary in value from anywhere from one gold all the way up to eight and after about 30 minutes or so of just kind of using my dog residue to fill up my inventory selling it all and then going back out of the shop and doing the same thing again until I had a thousand I was able to save it up and I bought the Temi College and it was the funniest shit because the Temi leaves the screen for a second and comes back with a graduation cap. And then you can spend like seven grand on this armor that makes the game insanely easy, I guess, because it's so powerful. 
it was just such a unique and funny little Easter egg, and like it rewarded those who were smart enough to pick up on the fact that you could exploit the shop in that way. And I honestly did not even catch it at first. I was talking to my friend about having discovered the village, and they accidentally spoiled it for me, but I'm kind of glad they did because it was one of the most funny and interesting parts of the game. But that was the Temi village. Uh, really, really funny shit. And the other thing that I wanted to mention is at the very beginning of the game, well, near the beginning, you first meet Sans and Papyrus. And Sans is sort of a big meme guy. And the only way you can fight him, spoiler alert, is by doing a genocide run. And basically he sees you being a monster and killing everyone in your path and decides to put a stop to you right before the end of the game and that causes you to have to fight him. He's genuinely not a bad guy. He's just trying to look out for the people in the underground or the monsters in the underground, I should say. Um, but I never did fight him because I never did the genocide route where I killed everyone because I couldn't bring myself to do it. But the interesting thing is his brother, Papyrus, is actually such a funny character and... If you befriend him during a pacifist run or a neutral run, you can actually go back to Sans and Papyrus's house and sort of hang out with Papyrus and go on a date with him, which is super hilarious. And the whole dating sequence is one of the funniest parts of the whole game. And you guys kind of decide that there's no connection there, and you decide just to remain friends. But it was such a funny bit nonetheless, and it's one of the most memorable parts of the game for me personally, for sure. It was such a funny moment. And the last thing I want to mention is on the true new or on the true pacifist route, there is a part where you discover some insane backstory stuff, where basically the lore for the game is just sort of blown up into this huge thing. And tons of stuff is connected that you had no idea was connected. And the way they introduce all this lore to you is by going into this lab called the True Lab, which is in the basement of one of the main characters' labs. And down there, you have tons of realizations about sort of the nature of the backstory of a lot of the characters in the history of the world. But more interestingly, it's very spooky and out of character for the rest of the game. And it's actually pretty dark and sinister down there, despite the fact that the rest of the game is kind of humorous and upbeat. And you fight these things called Amoglomites. And it has another one of the best sound, like, uh, battle songs in the entire game. So on top of this area being super fascinating from a lore perspective and having some really, really interesting encounters... It also has a really good song called Amalgamate or something like that. And it's such an interesting song and such a cool song, and I really, really love it. And that whole area just provided so much subtext to the story of the entire game. And it was really great. And it's one of the more interesting puzzly areas of the game, too. But I was super, like in for the long haul with the lore and the history of the game so it was one of the more interesting areas to explore but either way folks i think that's all i really want to highlight about undertale for now seriously it's such a good game i plan on starting uh delta rune eventually i think i'm going to take a break and go back to tunic for now but i seriously enjoyed undertale and i slept on it for so long and that was such a huge mistake i let 
trying to be cooler than the people who obsessed over it back in the day get to me and I never got around to playing it and I probably could have had so many interesting chats with my friends about it back when I was in middle school and early high school and I missed out on all that now because I waited till I was an adult to play the game but I do think I appreciate it a little bit more because of that but either way folks I hope you enjoyed this brief discussion and coverage of Undertale I didn't want to do a whole episode again because I need to work on my Adventure Time mini-series and all that, but I did want to share my thoughts either way because I know a lot of people like me are on the fence about this game and they're not really sure if it's, you know, worth the hype. But I assure you, at least for me personally, it was. And I was shocked to see that it was actually as good as everyone said because I thought for sure it would be fun and it looked like a game I would enjoy but I would not enjoy it as much as everybody was leading me on to believe because people said I would fucking adore it. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever you say. And I adored it. So I can't wait to get around to Deltarune. Uh, Definitely check it out. I know I just spoiled pretty much everything that's super cool about the game, but if for some reason you don't care, really, really good game, really, really fun and interesting. And it's regularly on sale too, so... You know, you got nothing to lose. It's on Switch, it's on PC, it's on all the consoles. Uh, But yeah, folks, have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to me ramble about Undertale. And as Sans says, "Uh, uh, uh." Oh God, that was so fucking cringe.